Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Chester McBadbat. <laughs> wait, wait. Is that from Fairly Odd Parents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the guy that's voiced by um, oh fuck. Um, hang on. Shut up, everyone. Shut up. I made you too angry. Um. um Oh fuck! It's he's from American Pie, fucking um, um. He, oh god! I mean, I'll tell you this: he's voiced by the same guy who plays Max Goof. That's uh, the same guy. He was a right, 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 yeah, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then yeah, Jason Martinson. But then yeah. they got the guy from uh, then they got the guy from American Pie to take over. Oh, did they? I don't think we watched that. We do watch, or maybe, Clint or maybe I'm. Or maybe I'm flipping that because I could have sworn, um, could have sworn uh, Eddie Thomas Finch was was Chester. Mm. I don't know. Um, I've only noticed. No, you're right. That it was, that it's it was Jason Max Marson. Goof because because um, yeah. uh, Haley and I we watch cartoons every night before bed, and sometimes it's fairly odd parents. Um, well, and and um. No, you're right. Because as soon as I started like l- listening for Jason Martin's voice, uh, I was like, "No, that that's right." Um, no, he was voiced by Frankie Muniz. Really? That was it. it. Seasons one through three, he was Frankie Muniz, and then from three onward, it's Jason Martin. That's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah. Either way, it's see, I knew had that great name. Yeah, I should future range should put just a picture of him over your face for the rest of the episode. <laughs> the rest of the episode. Yeah, the rest Seems of like the episode. Overkill. Now they're not going to be able to see uh, what you're actually saying. I mean, they'll hear it. But they'll hear it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, you know, it's funny. It's funny. We, we opened the show with that. Because me and my assistant manager just recently got accused of being eight-year-olds. Because at our store, you know, we'll just put movies on. Just, you know. Yeah. You know, whatever. You know, something family-friendly. Sure. Um, I tried to pass the time by putting the extended cut of Lord of the Rings on. Oh, Um, that's awesome. Well, one day he put on Into the... One day he put on Into the Spider-Verse. And this guy, bro, he was like, how can you all watch this? And we're like, it's good. It's a good movie. It's good for all ages. And he was like, yeah, but it's it's a cartoon. Ugh. And we were like, okay, and? And he's like, what are you, eight? Oh. I'm like, yes, you're you're asking the eight-year-old yeah. uh, store manager for help on your phone. Yeah, dude, Who's like, really the child here? I don't get that, man, because I'm. we've discussed at length, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, roll the tape that, you know, animation is for everyone. So, yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's only America uh, I, that views it more as being a uh, a children's medium. Yeah, I mean that's why Ben Shapiro is making a direct ripoff of Bluey. I don't no, we're not talking bitch. about that. Uh, I'll be too mad. Can't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Bluey, Bluey is the best. It needs to remain uns unspoiled. That's right. Damn. But you know what else is the best? uh today's episode um so buddy since this was your pick i will let uh you remind everyone 
what we're talking about today. Sure. Uh, today, we are discussing Damien Chazelle's film, Whiplash. Um, so this was a first for me. Nice. Um, God, if only I, I could do that again. I, uh, I mean, I remember hearing everything about it, man. Like I remember the Oscars that year, you know, Neil Patrick Harris hosted and they had Miles Teller playing the drums live. And, you know, they did the whole, you know, not my tempo bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen it parodied, you know, American dad did a whole whiplash. Yes. Oh my God. Parody. The, the whiplash clown episode is so good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's, really good. Uh, you know, no, if I, if I try to quote it, we're going to be on it for like That's 30 right. minutes, but it's great. Yeah. So the point of what I'm saying is I, I've, I've known of it. I know it's in the forefront of everyone's minds of being one of the, the best films to come out of 20, the 2010s. Yeah. Um, I think it's 2014. And I just, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's 2014, but I'm just generalizing. Oh yeah. 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2010s. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I just, I just didn't feel like watching a movie of someone get abused. Uh, sure. Understood. You know, cause we've all seen, seen the scenes. I've seen the scenes of JK Simmons mm-hmm. abuse towards miles teller. And I was just like that. I don't know if that's for me, man. Yeah. But finishing it last night, uh, cause I was, I was preemptive and I actually watched it the day before rather than the day of nice. Um, time to ruin I'm going to be honest, man. I, I left the uh, the movie exactly how you felt. I was like, "Fuck, that was so good." You see it again immediately. Yeah. Um, and before we move on, I know we get try. I know we try to get better about this, but if you want to watch this, it just got put on Netflix. Nice. Um, or own a physical copy. Yeah. Yeah, like I did. So, uh. So, buddy, would you like me to do the honors of the synopsis? Yeah, I don't feel like it. Go. Or would you like to do it? Okay. Whiplash. Um, 2014 drama film uh, written and directed by Damien Chazelle. Stars Miles Teller as Andrew Neiman, a first-year student at the prestigious Schaefer Conservatory in New York, um, with dreams of becoming one of the greatest jazz drummers of his generation. Um, he looks to other great jazz musicians um, as inspiration, but he wants to be the best out of his generation. And nothing more prestigious is a J.K. Simmons character, uh, Terrence Fletcher, who is known around campus as the best jazz teacher at the school. And Miles Tiller wants to essentially be in his good graces and wants to be chosen to play in his jazz band ensemble, uh, which he is, which of course I'm yada yada. I think a lot of this cause we're going to spend time to talk about it, yeah. uh, but he has chosen, but it becomes quickly apparent that Fletcher is emotionally abusive or manipulative, physically abusive um, and verbally abusive. He is relentlessly, reaching for perfection. He, he demands perfection from all of his musicians. Um, and he gets it, um, which I definitely want to spend like three hours later in the episode talking about that. Um, 
But Andrew decides he's not going to let that get him down, that he will be the best. He will show Fletcher, I can do this. And again, Gotti got him through a lot. Um, eventually, everything kind of comes to a head where Andrew pretty much driven to the point of madness and uh, his own personal well-being is tasked by uh, his father and a lawyer to anonymously uh, um, oh no, um, give a testimony about Fletcher's abusive behavior to get him uh, fired from Schaefer, um, which then leads to what we think is maybe a healing moment between the two characters of them having some mutual respect, but it's just a revenge ploy by Fletcher uh, when Fletcher invites him to play in a uh, uh, jazz festival. But Andrew decides I'll show you and earns Fletcher's respect uh, by essentially doing the one thing that Fletcher wanted. And that's whiplash. Pretty good. Good job. Um, like I said, dude, uh, I want to spend like a good chunk of the episode talking about the ending because I've watched a lot of videos, uh, deep diving into the ending, mm-hmm. and now I kind of have more of an understanding. Yeah, but we'll save that for later. Sure. Uh, where would you like to begin with this? Um, I mean, we can start with Andrew because. I mean, obviously, everything is through Andrew's point of view. There was a there was a scene right. that uh, Chazelle was asked to cut um, of Fletcher in his apartment after the first um, the first day of Neiman being in the uh, in the studio band because mm-hmm. everything needs to be from Andrew's point of view, right? Okay, uh, everything needs to be from that his makes perspective sense. because if we just see Fletcher alone in his apartment, we break that, right? Um, and Andrew is so interesting because Andrew is driven, obsessive and, and I guess tenacious, I guess you would say, because we Mm -hmm. see him and we see him, you know, around his dad, right? When they go to the movies, we see him around other people. We see him around students. We see him. Um, interact with or not interact with people around him. And there's a point where we, we see Andrew notice certain things. He notices like people at a party. He'll notice um, Connolly and his girlfriend right before class, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's, I think at first you're sort of like, maybe he's longing for these things and perhaps he might be, but Mm -hmm. I think the majority of him believes that these are needless distractions, right? Mm-hmm. Connolly is distracting himself with this girl where he should be practicing more, right? Where he should be right. giving his all with the jumps, right? He sees people partying mm-hmm. on campus and in his dorm, in his dorm building. He goes, you know, I'm going to go listen to Buddy Rich in my headphones, right? I'm going to go practice mm-hmm. in the practice room, Right. Um, right. And even though, uh, he does end up, um, asking that girl out and good Lord, I can't remember her name. Um, Melissa, 
I can never pronounce it. She was Supergirl. She's Supergirl. Yes. Uh, Nicole is her character's name. Um, yeah. When he, when he asked Nicole out, it's because he's riding high on the success of getting in a studio band. Right. He thinks, mm-hmm. you know, a part of him is like, I can do both. Look at me go. Right. Uh, right. And of course we see that that's just not possible for Andrew. Right. Um, mm. A great, a great culmination of all of these ideas is in that dinner scene um, with his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so unlikable. Um, Andrew is, I mean, his yeah. entire family is unlikable. Let's be clear um, because well, they're nasty. Except for his death. No, because I mean, even, even Paul Reiser, which by the way, um, in the theater, uh, when I saw it for the first time, halfway through, I, I go, is that Paul Reiser? <laughs> didn't notice the first time. I didn't notice in the first scene that it was Paul Reiser. It blew my mind. Anyway. So, no, because well, even his dad is a little snarky to him, right? Because, yeah. you know, he's like, um, you know, words you'll never hear from the NFL, which was a good, it was a good line. Um. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a sick burn, and then but then his dad, then his dad hits, hits him. Is Radio City calling, right? Uh, Lincoln Center. Oh, Lincoln Center. I'm sorry, is Lincoln Center calling? You know, it's it's fucked up. You know what I mean? Like it's his dad. You know, but yeah. I think he's starting to see that that Andrew is hyper obsessive, and to the mm-hmm. point of really isolating himself from everybody he knows, right? Because yeah. he's hyper focused on this one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and he's just not – he's not complacent. He's not willing to settle for mediocrity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, that, that dinner scene is so so important to this idea of who Andrew is in the first place uh, because, you know, they're, they're talking about how proud they are of, I guess, his cousin or something. Um, yeah. Is, is, you know, doing well in football and it's Division Three. It's a good, yeah. it's a good dick, but uh, again, where they are proud, happy, you know, content with the, these accomplishments, Andrew sees it as, but it's not the best, right? So I don't know what mm-hmm. you guys are celebrating for, you know. And I yeah. even Andrew's not fully celebrating himself either. He is sort of giving himself the opportunity to. To say, hey, well, you know, I'm in this great music school, and not only that, but I'm also in the very prestigious ensemble band, right? But mm-hmm. even the way he says it, it's almost like, but there's still a lot more to go, right? Like I'm on the way, right. but you know, I mean, this is still sort of the bottom, whatever. Yeah, and and well, and and, and I agree that dinner scene is so telling because like. If you haven't figured out who Andrew is by this point, I think that dinner scene really Damien Chazelle really is like, this is who he is, Mm -hmm. especially with the line of I'd rather die broke, but remembered at 34 than sober and rich. And no one knows who I am. Right. And you know, that's, that's very telling, you know, because most normal people would take the sober, rich nine year old, you know, that's, I mean, Jesus, I, that's what I hope I'd, you know. Sure, I think most live people towards. are like, well, you know, if I was at all successful, right, 
And mm. so what if I wasn't the best? I still made it doing something I like to do, right? That's not good mm-hmm. enough for Andrew and it never will be. Exactly. Yeah. And something else I saw in a video, a lot of the videos I was watching, uh, hopefully future rain will remember to put it up. I think he forgot last episode. Uh. Um, one of the ones, one of the videos I watched talked about Andrew's clothes mm-hmm. and how this descent into really hyper focusing on his, on his drumming, you know, Damon Giselle uses Andrew's clothing as a good way to showcase Andrew's hyper fixation mm-hmm. where when we first see him, he's in white, you know, yes. really kind of showing just his, his innocence. And then progressively as the movie moves on he's in darker and darker clothing and that dinner scene is sort of a a nice middle ground a midway show yes he's in darker yeah yes he's in darker clothing but there it's a, a lighter color of plaid that's really interesting because you know. um hitchcock did that in uh in psycho um with janet lee janet lee is wearing um white underwear in the very beginning but when she steals the money it's black Anyway. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're right, and it's also the state of his clothing, also, um, mm-hmm. because like his, his like V-necks, there's like holes in them, and it's dirty, and you know, like it's not the first time he's worn that shirt that week. You know, <laughs> you can tell, mm-hmm. or he's never changed oh, the shirt. Yeah, and you can tell how much he's pushing himself because the v-neck is getting more and more stretched out from yeah the sweat and yeah andrew's a very it's he's a very interesting character for us to to sympathize with you know yeah because like you've been saying like we've both been saying he is so hyper fixated on being the best you know, like his his breakup scene with Nicole. <sighs> like I, I told Ashley, because Ashley was kind of half paying attention. She was on her computer. She was kind of half paying attention. I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> she was the same. Um, uh, I, so I was telling her, I was like, you know, 2% of me understands where Andrew's coming from. 2% of I'm about to get really into this yeah i don't want you to feel like you are less than important so we just call it but 98 percent of you but then the other 98 percent of me is like uh bro (laughs) what the fuck are you doing (laughs) like because especially because again i think damien chazelle knew that the audience was going to be like what are you doing that nicole pretty much says what we're thinking is you don't think you think I will keep you from that and that I don't have the capabilities of making my own decision. Yeah. And and their first date. Okay. So again, these, his interactions with people are so fascinating because the first date they take, he takes her to the pizza place and really he just Mm -hmm. likes the pizza place because they play jazz. Right. And yeah. um, Which again, I get it. Right. He's, you know, I completely understand. Um, he loves it because it's it, he's surrounded by something that he loves, right? Mm-hmm. And he's very distracted by the music, number one, but also he is completely 
out of his element and has no sense of comprehension when it comes to Nicole not really knowing what her next move is, not knowing what her next step is, not knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, what she's going to do next or what she's going to study. And once she does find that, that, uh, the subject of what she wants to study, she doesn't know what she's going to do after that. She doesn't know what she's going to do with that. And Andrew has no concept of what that's like. And so he's being really kind of mean to her, um, during the date because he's sort of just snippy and sort of like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, why did you choose your school? You know? And she, mm-hmm. she said a very, you know, Jer answer, which is I applied to lots of places and let me in. You know, that's, that's something I would say. Yeah. And that's something I think a lot of people would say. I think a lot of people probably identify with Nicole. <laughs> um, I agree. You know, like, Yes, we all have our dream college that we want to go to or dream job, but sometimes we need backup plans. And if this place is going to get you the things you need, why not? Why not take it? You know. Um, and again, yeah, I agree. Andrew has he, no idea what to I, do with that information. He goes, "I don't understand." Right. Yeah, yeah, because you know he. Again, I just said it, but he is really a hard character to sympathize with. You know, we we sympathize, I would say, a normal person <laughs> would sympathize with his, his drive, that he is determined. Like, yeah, I, I was like, I could get on board with that. You know, we could sympathize with his abuse from Fletcher which we'll get into because I want to really talk about that. Who's um, next? Spoiler alert. That's what we're talking about yeah. next. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, but you know, we could, you know, we can sympathize with that, but then, you know, we have these scenes of just utter like the wreck. The fact that he is so fucked up from that wreck, but he still barely makes it to the competition because he's, he's so, you know, I earned this part Mm -hmm. and I'm going to play it. You know, a normal person would be like, Hey, um, I got a wreck. (laughs) I think I have a concussion. I need to go to the hospital. Um, but Andrew has become, I would say at this point, that point in the film that he has become so hyper fixated on. This is my chance and I'm not going to blow it. Or just, uh, proving Fletcher wrong too. That's a lot of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of this, you know, fuck you. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I have to do and you're not going to take it away from me. Right. Yeah. Especially because we get that right before where he tells him like, uh, no, I earned this part and I'm going to fucking play it. Right. And you know, we get this, honestly, one of my favorite head to head scenes with him, Mm -hmm. which is a good, which is a good Andrew having a good, you know, fuck you mentality. Um, I will save it. I was going to bring it up. I was like, you know, no, we're going to, we're going to save it for the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. And then we have good transition. Then we have Fletcher who, by the way, knowing that JK Simmons is such a sweet guy <laughs> made it so hard to watch this. <laughs> Cause he, 
I was like, he truly is an asshole. Like I, I, all right. So I'm going to say on the surface, yes. uh You watch this movie for, you know, for the first time, or let's say a a casual moviegoer will watch it and take it at face value. And he's just mean and awful and evil and nasty. Right. Mm -hmm. But Fletcher is so much more complex than that because, um, you know, there are scenes and I don't think he's putting it on, right? One of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. of Fletcher is when he's talking to his buddy in the hallway and he's got a little girl with her, uh, with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's being very sweet to the little girl. And, you know, he's, you know, like, are you going to play in my band when you grow up? High five, you know, and then giving his buddy a hug. Yeah. And then he walks in the room with the band and goes, all right, cocksuckers, listen up, you know? And he's yeah. right back to being, you know, typical Fletcher. But really what he's doing is and of course this is this becomes obvious once you you know start digging a little bit and so I'm not saying anything profound here but what he's doing is he is doing what he feels is necessary to curate perfection and greatness right mm-hmm. he yeah. is absolutely telling the truth when he and Andrew are at that jazz bar right mm-hmm. he, I, he's, I don't think he's He's not messing with Andrew anymore in that moment, I don't believe. I do believe he truly feels that what what perfect and the greatest musicians have gone through is necessary. What Charlie Parker went through was necessary, right? Mm -hmm. True story, by the way, about Charlie Parker that was not made up for the movie. That's really what happened to Charlie Parker. Um, yeah. There's a great Clint Eastwood film called Bird, by the way. Uh, Forrest Whitaker plays Charlie Parker. It's amazing. Check it out. Um, so he, what he's doing is he is he's pushing people to the absolute limit. If they if they come out the other side better and driven and ready to prove him wrong, he has found his next great musician. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like when he talks about um, the other drummer who goes to pre-med, which I thought was funny that he's like, he, he lost focus. You know, he, he got discouraged. He went, he went to med school. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tanner, you know, Tanner, thank you. Um, he's doing this with everyone, but obviously our main character is, is Andrew and he sees something special in Andrew Right. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as the movie opens, when uh, Fletcher walks into that practice room and sees Andrew practicing late at night um, when he could be doing something else. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's the first, you know, sort of Fletcher recognizing this drive and this obsession with Andrew. And so. Yeah. Of course, he's going to do his classic Fletcher thing where he's going to, you know, not be nice <laughs> and yeah. and sort of manipulate him a little bit with the, you know, um, you know, I'm looking for players. So why'd you stop playing? And then as soon as he starts playing and finishing, he goes, why did you start playing again? I didn't. T-, you know what I mean? Like he's he's manipulating him pretty early, but I think he recognizes that drive. And so now he's going to go find Andrew. And let's see if what he saw in that short moment has some sort of 
some legs, right? Let's see if it has some sort of future, right? Mm -hmm. And this brings us to what, you know, what makes this film so great and what even, even why we have a film in the first place, which is Damien Chazelle's short film, which is Andrew's first day in, um, in Studio Bay. Um, mm-hmm. the entire thing is verbatim, by the way, from the, um, from the short film, um, just a different actor as just Andrew. a different actor, but uh, the same actor, by the way, uh, of the, um, of the poor guy who's playing the trombone, uh, that he calls Elmer Fudd. That's the same actor in both the short film and really. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, this is, I think this is like the thesis statement for the movie is this scene, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we start off with, which I like the context of, you know, he's telling Andrew, um, you know, you know what he tells him the room, tells him 6am, right? Yeah. I like that Chazelle is giving us a little bit of, you know, high anxiety of him being linked, right? Mm-hmm. Because of course Andrew's going to be late, right? Um, and he's actually three hours early. That's um, again, it's a, it's manipulation, right? Yeah. Um, and once it's sort of, if you're not really understanding what Fletcher's trying to do, you're kind of going to be confused by his first small interactions with Andrew um, during the break. Because he's being very, mm-hmm. uh, very supportive, very kind, um, you know, um, very, I don't know, I already said supportive, but, uh, you know, he's he's being very warm to Andrew and very inviting, yeah. and very comforting. And, you know, when they start, um, you know, he's, again, being very patient, right? And, and he's like, okay, nope, it's okay. Let's keep going, which of course, if, if you watched, you know, some of these videos, you know, that Andrew is playing in perfect time. Um, Andrew is not rushing nor dragging. Okay. Mm, Um, Okay. Andrew is not making a mistake. And, um, and so as he's do, as he's going to restart over and over, now he's getting more frustrated. He's getting more frustrated and he's getting more nervous, Right. Mm-hmm. And then once you get the chair thrown at him, um, then now he's at he's at full you know anxiety and and Fletcher has now really begun his his you know full emotional and physical <laughs> and verbal abuse right uh, with Andrew to see if this is going to break him because if this breaks him we're done right. Mm-hmm. And so, especially with the slaps. Now, the slaps he he is um, he is rushing. Uh, uh, Fletcher is to show him, you know, what the difference is. Even though Andrew is not making mistakes, he is playing in perfect time. And Fletcher knew. Right. And Fletcher knows he's playing in perfect time. By the way, um, it, because he knew that uh, that trombone player was out of tune, but he let that guy leave. Right. Yeah, because because he didn't know. Not only did he not know, but he was so on edge, so nervous, so terrified that he broke down. And that's not okay, right? 
because if that breaks mm-hmm. you, you can you can never be great. And so there's right. your first. Th- that's what it would look like if if Andrew had given up, right? Mm-hmm. Done. I'm over. I'm done with you. Right. Get out. Right. Right. But again, the thing about Andrew is he's not going to give up. Right. This is too important yeah. to him. And that scene is, and, and of course, it's the scene that people cite when they talk about this movie is uh, his first uh, his first day in studio band. What did you think about the scene? Um, by the way, well, so I've seen the scene in sort of like a <laughs> a mixed cut up because uh, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hate me so badly. We'll see. Back in, hang on. I got to I got to make sure I get the date right cuz uh, I think I think it'll be really it's 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 not going to help my case. <laughs> um okay, in 2014 when Weird Al Yankovic released his last album, huh? he was going to go on tour and to promote the tour, he they had him they superimposed him in Whiplash. And just kind of spliced together some of the scenes. Okay. Um, so like when J.K. Simmons does the whole like, there's no Mars bar down there. And he's like, oh, no, there, I have to have one for my blood sugar. So <laughs> that's good. So I've, I've pretty much seen majority of that, but it was still actually watching the real scene from start to finish was. Honestly, I paused the movie and I told Ashley that I was going to bring this up to you. Uh, I meant to bring it up earlier. But now's a good time as any <clears throat> that this was kind of triggering for me. Okay. Because being an orchestra, our senior year, our orchestra instructor was almost, not exactly, but almost as bad as Fletcher. Interesting. I mean, not really throwing chairs at people or anything like that, but definitely yelling, definitely like, singling people out like were you were you rushing were you dragging um were you you know and it was i was like jesus christ because i know what that's like to be on kind of a receiving end okay again interesting he never physically did anything to us but it was very very much beratement and just like fletcher very much of this is your priority nothing else matters which I guess I don't have it because I was like, I'm a senior in high school. All I care about is graduating. <laughs> Orchestra is not my priority yeah. right now. Um, so, so watching that scene and watching just the sheer relentlessness coming from Fletcher was, I was just like, Jesus Christ. Um, and also the fact that Miles Teller let him really slap him. Is even more. I was just like, "Good God!" Um, like, well, and you know when the that sort of environment really just pits everyone against each other, right? Because mm-hmm. we see a little bit of a lot of well, a lot of resentment uh, with Tanner and Andrew, of course, because you know Andrew's coming in to replace him, basically, right? Yeah. Same thing with Connolly when he comes in, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, yeah. Um, in that environment, it's 
it's amazing how well how Chazelle shoots it is amazing, but the the way that it's almost it's militaristic the way that you know mm. it's three seconds till nine and so everyone stands up everyone's eyes are on the floor right uh, mm-hmm. they're terrified of him right and of course yeah. once they get started you can kind of see that's why they're terrified of him because you can't make any mistake without it being noticed and he knows exactly who made the mistake right Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's oof, you know, yeah, it's again, you know, I'm gonna cite it again. Having seen that American Dad episode, I knew kind of. I was like, okay, he's he. I know he's gonna be hard. He's gonna be hard ass. But that whole scene with the trombones, and he even says, like, you were rushing, but he didn't know the difference. I was like, oh my god i was like i wonder i bet this guy feels fucking guilty now that he just had this poor guy kicked out no he doesn't yeah and that's you know he smirks a little bit um and that's completely on purpose because again it's a it's a doggy dog uh, environment that studio band is right so Mm -hmm. does he feel bad absolutely not um he knew that I think he knew if he had spoken up that it was over. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and this poor kid, <laughs> you know, he never had a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And the same thing with Tanner, you know, I, it took me a minute, but I was like, um, I was like, I wonder why Tanner's being so antagonistic towards andrew mm-hmm. you know but then but then when we got to when when Connolly is reintroduced i was like oh that's what's going on now i get it right now i get it um yeah so therein lies one of my favorite scenes in the whole film and let's go ahead and talk about it is the drum off right um mm-hmm. and so which of course i mean there's a lot of um there's a lot of scenes that i love uh, in this film, um, the the montage of Andrew learning Whiplash um, oh, yeah. is a great is a great sequence because really you're kind of you think maybe at first it's a little over the top, you know his hands, you know, mm-hmm. but really it isn't. I promise because um, like I've um, I wasn't a drummer, but I, I, you know, I was a snare drum in, in middle school and I, I loved the drums and I had drumsticks and I would, you know, I would drum, you know, I used to have a drum kit, like an electric one that I could plug headphones into really cheap one. It was awesome though. I loved it. Um, but if you do it for like well, an hour, like your hands hurt. I mean, there are like, there's blisters forming, right? So if you're doing it all day with, without stopping as hard as you can go, your hands are going to shred. Okay. So that, yeah. that's pretty, that's pretty realistic. I'm, if I'm being honest, like it's, it's not as over the top, I think as some people might believe it might be. Um, and him getting that worked up and him being that the, the furious obsession of it um, is amazing. Him dunking his hand in the ice. Well, you know what I mean? Like it's God, what a great sequence, you know? But yeah, all that to be said. So 
whew, we get to this um, uh, to one of the practices, and he's brought in Connolly to to push Andrew. Right, we find that out later. But mm-hmm. um, and again, I don't think he was lying about this. He's really he's using Connolly to push Andrew even further to um, to the height of his ability and the peak of his talent. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I forgot when they started, maybe six o'clock, eight o'clock. Uh, yeah. Cause he, cause he sows the seeds at the end of class. Right. And then when they all come back for rehearsal at nine, it was at nine. Okay. Is when is, yeah, is when all hell breaks loose. Yeah. So again, this is where we're introduced where again, I think maybe if you see it the first, second time, even maybe you think this is all sort of a, another manipulation, right. Of, of Sean Casey, his death and how it affects Fletcher. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's all true. I, I choose to believe that um, what he is feeling is such devastation that he thought he had created a a great musician, and he ended up not being able to handle it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a little bit of guilt there, but I think most of it is just like, God damn it like another great musician has given up and got discouraged. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that he, I think Fletcher would say that he created. Right. Right. I think all of that is true. And so when in his current state now, now he's even more, you know, furious and more, you know, willing to go even further to create a great musician, right? And mm-hmm. so when they're not playing as fast as he wants and as fast as the song requires, um, even if it's even if it's correct, it's not good enough, right? Yeah. And that's when we get this drum off and just their hands alone at the end of this thing. I mean, <laughs> oh man. Well, it... And, you know, the thing that gets me is he chooses Andrew because Andrew f- shows him that he can do it. Right. And then he calls the rest of the band in like, all right, now Time let's start, rehearse. Right? Like, like but Jesus even so, like, Christ. Even the way that Chazelle is is showing the, you know, the, this sort of drum off between the three of them. I mean, it's brutal because – you know, again, you know it's nine o'clock when they start, but then he starts showing you the clock and he starts showing you people outside. And there's even people still in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I noticed that maybe like the third time I saw it, uh, where I was like, oh, there's people still in there. Like people are watching him yeah. do this uh, to these yeah, guys. People are witnessing him. Yeah. And um, there are parts that are kind of funny, you know, like uh, the way he's talking to them is pretty funny. Um, Dude, when Connolly starts messing with the seat, he was like, "Oh, it was the seat. Now you have it, right?" Um, you know, it's it's pretty funny. But again, they're so desperate and they're so tired, and they can barely yeah. hold their sticks. You know, 
Um, and once Andrew starts going now, he's like, all right, let's see. Let's see how far I can push him when he is going at his absolute limit. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. When, when they're done and when Andrew's got the part and the, the drum set is covered in blood and his hands are dripping and, you know, he can barely hold onto the sticks when he tells the rest of the band that practice can now start. Yeah. There's something about the way, there's something about that, man. It's just, it's just brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. It's yeah. I, uh, I was like, Jesus Christ, it can't get any worse than this. <laughs> and honestly, the movie doesn't really get that worse after that. I feel like that that's the peak of how bad it gets. Kind of. I mean, um, the, again, after that, it's just now it's how it's affected Andrew, right? Because again, mm-hmm. Andrew's not going to give up no matter what, right? We've, right? we've established that. But now he feels that he needs to be on that stage. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a little moment when Andrew forgets his sticks at the, um, at the car rental place. And of Mm -hmm. course you're just screaming at the, you know, at at the screen. You're just like, Oh no, you know, Um, this can't get any worse for Andrew. But there's this little moment of, I don't know if it's like, if it's just my own sort of like how I'm viewing it, um, you know, through my, um, through my own perspective. But when, when he calls Connolly Johnny Utah, which was funny by the way. Um, yeah, it really was. Fletcher also calls him Johnny Utah. And so that almost seemed like a small little bit of like com- camaraderie or bonding a little bit to me anyway. Um, a little, well, there's a little bit of, you know, like, especially that he's letting Andrew talk to him this, this way. Right. Cause I mean, he wouldn't take that normally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anybody, I right? think he, I think he's recognizing in this moment, okay, Andrew's starting to get where I, right, where I exactly. want him. Right. And so where he is berating other musicians <laughs> and fell and colleagues, basically like fellow classmates, you know, um, you know, Andrew is really just, you know, he doesn't care about anybody, you know, um, he just cares about getting this part and let's go on to the next thing. Right. And, and even, so this is where I think the movie can get a little bit disbelievy is when Fletcher sees the state of Andrew after the car crash, but he lets him do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I'm suspending my disbelief a little bit because I know that both of them are so obsessive and so determined that they're both just letting it go. And they're like, okay, let's see. <laughs> right? Right. And you also wonder if Fletcher is just going to, is just going to see, okay, is he going to make it through this? Right. 
Fletcher doesn't know mm-hmm. he was in a crash necessarily. I think he can put it together that something horrible happened to him. Yeah, that it took him long. He he said his his uh, sticks were in the car right, and it took him forever. longer to get back. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. right. Um, I always wondered who he was talking to on the phone. Um, uh, yeah. I th- Sorry, uh, my wife dropped her mouse <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it was one of the few guys in the band that Andrew has a somewhat of a relationship with i would say either the piano player or the bassist see i i couldn't i couldn't come up with anybody because it's like he doesn't give a shit about anybody you know what i mean like he yeah like andrew could not care less about making friends or acquaintances or knowing these people these guys names i don't think he cares you know um so i always found it that was like who's calling who cares enough you know (laughs) to call andrew um uh, but this actually brings me. Let's let's circle back a little bit because this um, we're gearing up towards we're the end here, okay? But I want to circle back to um, what gets what gets Andrew that core spot in the first place, which was the folder being lost, right? Mm-hmm. And and practicing, you know, whiplash every day all day for God knows how long. Right. He- I think it was a month. Cause I th- feel like Fletcher said um, something about a month ago. Right. Like when you played a month ago, Oh, you're right. So, you know, for, you know, 30 days, <laughs> he's been playing yeah. this song all day. Right. So he knows it by heart, obviously. And I think Fletcher knew about Tanner's thing <laughs> about not being able to memorize music. Um, he would have had to. Mm-hmm. And so again, that's sort of putting that's putting Andrew in the seat, right? So he's sabotaging mm-hmm. Tanner to put it because spoilers, Fletcher stole uh the, the folder. So um is is that like officially confirmed? Yes, or? because um at the very end at the jazz festival, um he gives Andrew that folder. That's the folder he gives Andrew um, for the music. Um, Because what does it not have? The music everyone else has. Right. Oh, right. Okay. So uh, that confirmed, you know, that Fletcher stole the folder. Right. Okay. Um, Which is fantastic. I think, you know, that's one of those little fun tidbits of this film besides you know you have to of course know music to know that andrew is playing in perfect time you know mm-hmm. and that this is all a manipulation like i didn't know that right um i just assumed he was fucking up and that fletcher's just trying to push him to be better right not that he's already good <laughs> you know yeah oh yeah um so okay i wanted to circle back to that because that was that's an important piece of the film that I'm sure Zach is like, he hadn't talked about the folder yet, you know? Um, Zach's it's, it's the scene from Brooklyn nine, nine where Jake's hitting on the, ask him about his bank account and he breaks the, <laughs> yeah. Ask him about his bank account. This is Zach's about doing the folder. Yeah. Talk about then He breaks his phone. Yeah. Uh, Whoops. <laughs> Text to me. Talk about the folder. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we um, talk about the phone. 
which is important. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about before we move on to the ending, which is, you know, a triumph, um, is uh, the relationship between Andrew and his dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's kind of a weird relationship because they're not, they're not like super lovey dovey with one another. Like they don't, they, you know, they're not, um, like really close yet. They hang out all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's the only connection think, Andrew has with other people besides Nicole. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think it's just one of those relationships where, you know, his dad has always been there. Yeah. You know, you know, cause as we learn, his mom disappeared when he was really young. Yeah. So growing up with dad, you know, dad is the only person I really have any connection to yeah. per se. Um, and where his dad is supportive, he thinks there's a limit, right? I agree. And I agree. And of course, Andrew, there's no limit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but did you, by the way, fun little fun little tidbit? Uh, did you notice what movie they were watching in the beginning of the movie? Oh, oh, I was like, Rafifi. Yeah, <laughs> stoked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have loved if we got like a little like behind the head shot and we saw the screen. Yeah, saw the, uh, the robbery scene. No, sure. Now, now seeing Rafifi, yeah, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. But yeah, but that, that was cool. And raisin um, nuts in the popcorn. I've never put candy in popcorn, by the way. Um, that that was that was news to me. I know there's so many things in the movie, but well, that, well, the sidebar. That's like one of the only few scenes I had seen. Oh, okay. Because um, there's a YouTuber I really like who recreates uh, uh, food from movies, and he did an episode just on that. And he always starts the episode with the clip. Yeah. And so I was like, where is this from? And then watching it last night, I was like, well, no, no, no. I did know where it was from because he says the title of the movie too. Oh, okay. And, but I still loved seeing it, especially just the, the cadence of the conversation Yeah, where he's like, no, I, I, I eat around the raisin nuts. I don't like them. And his dad's like, well, then why did, why didn't you say anything? I don't anything? understand you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, okay. So once, uh, once Andrew, you know, tackles Fletcher, uh, for, you know, uh, putting him through all of this and was all for nothing, right? Like I, Andrew is like, I have, I have proven to you that I will do anything and, and push through anything and sacrifice everything, right? For this. Mm -hmm. And you're just gonna let a little car crash slide. Uh, by the way, actually broke J.K. Simmons' ribs. He broke two ribs um, being tackled. You can, really? I think you can hear it. <laughs> um, oh, shit. But uh, it might just be, you know, just the, you know, just him hitting the floor. Sam. I don't know. I think you can hear the crack, but that's just me. So um, so after he does that and he gets bullied basically into, into speaking about Fletcher in that um, – in that lawsuit, um, which by the way, insane again, that Andrew's like, no, no, that's cool. You know, you're yeah. not going to say anything. Just yeah, shows that you he, that he, he get he gets it. I think Andrew and Fletcher are, you know, this Andrew will become Fletcher. 
I think later on down the line. I I think that I want to say where he's headed. I I want to save mine for the okay. end because some of the videos I watched, I completely agreed with what they said. But we'll, we'll because get like he's not saying it because he understands a little bit, like he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows that this is all terrible, right? But he also mm. understands that Andrew believes he goes, I I can persevere through this. Most people can't. Right? You guys don't right. understand, but I do, right? Mm. I understand. So you guys, I mean, like Sean Casey has nothing to do with me. You know? Yeah. But again, he was bullied and manipulated into into talking and Again, such a wonderful scene. And this is sort of the flip side of the other scenes with uh, with Andrew and Fletcher is now we get to see who Fletcher is, right? This is mm-hmm. this is the culmination of Terrence Fletcher. And again, I don't think really this is a manipulation. You know, yes, it's a manipulation to get him to the jazz festival, right? Um but I do think that he's telling some truths here, you know, especially his philosophy on on what it takes to be great, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. You know what it takes, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. And um, it was prominently displayed in the trailer. I think it's one of the best delivered lines in the film is Fletcher saying, there is, there is no phrase more harmful in the English language than good job. Right. Yeah. And yikes. Right. Because at this point of the film, I kind of understand. Right. Um, I Mm. have now been brainwashed and manipulated and abused into thinking that maybe he's right. Maybe complacency and mediocrity and settling for just okay is pretty terrible, right? And mm-hmm. um, and maybe Fletcher has a point, you know? Um, yeah. Do I really believe that? Not really. But um, <laughs> J.K. Simmons is such a dynamic performer <laughs> that I'm like, maybe, you know? Well, so here's here's my thing. Um, and it's a little little taste of what's to come once we get to the the finale. I disagree. I feel like there has to be a line somewhere. All right. Like I I agree with what he's saying to a point. Of like yeah, like complacency. Like w- with retelling Charlie Parker's story of you know what if he just said oh good job you know and then Charlie went home and thought he was, you know did a good job yeah you know that'd be the fine. end of the story yeah you know I agree. Um, but there has to be a line. Mm-hmm. There has to be a line that you can't cross. And even um, even Andrew offers that. Yeah. Well, where's the breaking point? Where where do you stop? And Fletcher pretty much says without saying, you don't stop. You keep going. Like you keep you keep going until you come out on the other side uh, better, or you're broken. Yeah. And personally, to me. There has to be a line somewhere. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I'm checking my notes. No, you're good. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and again, I I probably agree with that more than I agree with uh, Fletcher being one hundred percent correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I because his example is so, such a great example of of Charlie Parker. You know, if they had said, you know what, you did fine, and he goes home saying, you know what, maybe I did, you know, and mm-hmm. then I don't have these you know three Charlie Parker albums in my collection, right? It doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, we don't get the beautiful dynamic music. Right. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. It's about producing the best, the greatest, the most perfect, the most beautiful, the most meaningful music. And that's what Fletcher cares about the most. Right. Yeah. Cause and and we do see in this, and again, I agree with you that he's being honest and he's being open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, a part of it is a manipulation, but I think he's also it's a manipulation, but he's also being genuine because he or didn't, he's saying he didn't he didn't like orchestrate Andrew walking in there, right? This is all happenstance, yeah. but he just took his moment, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but um. But yeah, yeah, I, I do think he is being genuine and he he truly believes he's I liked this the term that one of the videos I saw, and again, hopefully future rain has put this in the edit. Yeah. Um as withholding one of the pillars of the old way of doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, he really holds himself up to that standard, you know. Yeah. And I think and I think that's why with what you're saying, I think that's why he thinks he's not wrong mm-hmm. in his methods. Um, because this is how you have to get, as you just said, beautiful, meaningful music. Yeah. You have to you have to push the boundaries. You have to push limits. Um, because really that's what – I mean I'm not Ken Burns, but this is what you know, jazz comes from, right? Jazz comes from mm-hmm. hardship. Um, you know, jazz comes from emotion. And so without it – your music is soulless, right? Yeah. And so that's, I mean, Fletcher understands the history of jazz and understands what it takes to create the best and beautiful, meaningful jazz. Um, mm-hmm. And so really that's what it boils down to. Yeah. But when, oh, dude, oh, when he calls Nicole, <laughs> I almost can't handle oh. Because, because of her her having already moved on, or I think it's more secondhand embarrassment for Andrew, mm-hmm. and more like he, you know, again, Andrew is so complex because he's he has these um, these competing philosophies and these competing. Um, emotions because on one hand he completely agrees with Fletcher and it takes everything right Mm -hmm. but on the other hand he almost wants to be the people he sees as distracted right and so Mm -hmm. like he's moved away from music he got kicked out of Schaefer right and so for (laughs) for tackling uh, Fletcher um, and I guess costing them that competition, I guess that's probably what 
quest mostly. Um, and, and so now he's like, maybe, maybe there is a happy medium. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think in, unfortunately, I think because Nicole is smart and, uh, and is emotionally intelligent and understands that this guy's sort of not for me and not for most people. Um, mm-hmm. then, you know, she doesn't take the bait and she already has someone anyway. And so it doesn't matter. Right. Um, right. And that there, I think, unfortunately is sort of the tipping point back to this, this way of Andrew's philosophy of, I don't need anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Because now we're getting to the jazz festival. Right. Right. And, and where he goes completely over the edge. Right. And I'll mm-hmm. explain what that means here in a minute, because when you watch it, it's like, no, he didn't, but yes, I think he did. Right. So, Again, you're excited but nervous for Andrew because, you know, this is too good to be true. And when's the other shoe going to drop? Yeah. And when it does, I mean, you're, I mean, my heart sank. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, um, especially when Fletcher comes out and he's wearing his black T-shirt and he's being nice, right? He's not – He's not being, you know, nasty and he's not being rude and he's not being crass or vulgar. Um, but there's that quick shot and Chazelle is a genius. So we're following Andrew out onto the stage and it quickly pans to Fletcher putting on his jacket and the way mm. he looks at Andrew. And you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> it's, it's not even a full second, you know? But again, Chazelle yeah. is so so brilliant in the way he's using his camera and we'll get to how he shoots his scenes in a minute. Once we're done talking about the film itself, but, um, when, when he goes up to Andrew and, you know, it's almost like, you know, ta-da, I've tricked you, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's devastating and it's almost like, I don't know if Chazelle meant for this to feel this way, but it feels like you're having a dream where it's test day and you've never been to this class before, right? Yeah. Or yeah. I'm giving a presentation, but I what do you? But I don't. This class isn't on my schedule. I've never been here before, right? Mm-hmm. And so now he's having to play this piece of music with no music that he's never seen before, or heard before. And, you know, he's scrambling and struggling. And again, we're creating a, a, a very um, a very competitive environment where the bass player is not happy with him, <laughs> nor should he be. Yeah. Right. And the other players are sort of when it's their turn to stop playing, they're looking at him and they're glaring at him and, you know, they can't believe he's sabotaging this song. For what reason? And it's so hard to watch. Um, yeah, I almost, 
I, I fought the urge to fast forward through it because it's like, oh my god! You really but I was like, it? no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna watch and see, see what happens. And then you get this sort of, you know, like his dad is very sweet and very, yeah, and and very compassionate, very supportive, um, very comforting because he immediately knows what's going on and he immediately runs to this to the side of the stage so he can, you know. Um, comfort his son after that. But when when Andrew turns around, decides, no, absolutely not. You know, I I can't let this go. It's sort of like he's completely, you know, he, he's completely gone over the edge, like I said. Right. He is mm-hmm. so obsessive that he needs to prove Fletcher wrong or at least prove Fletcher right in a way. Prove to Fletcher yeah. that he was right to push him as far as he did. Right. And the look on Paul Reiser's face uh, during the drum solo, mm-hmm. that should have won Paul Reiser an Oscar. Um, yeah, one of the videos I saw um, had had the script playing all over that scene, mm-hmm. and apparently Damien Giselle had written in the script uh, the look of Paul Reiser's faces. My son is lost, mm-hmm. yeah. and almost like he knew in that moment, like Andrew's gone. Yeah, like he's. He's not coming back. So um, Damien Chazelle got a note from the studio um, when he uh, – when I guess they saw that they screened the film for the studio. And the studio wrote, he's good at drumming. We get it. <laughs> uh, for the last 10 minutes, right? Um, and yeah, I get it, what they meant. But really, that's not the point. Um, which obviously they missed the point. The point is, is that he, like you said, and like the script says, he is completely lost. He has completely um, given himself over to this, right? And almost like, and again, giving himself over to Fletcher and Fletcher's philosophy of music. in a way that maybe on the surface seems like he's getting back at Fletcher, but that's not really what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the, the scene is so dynamic and it's so brilliantly shot. Um, and it's a lot of fun to watch, especially if you like, if you like music, you like jazz, then it's cool anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the 10 minute, music sequences i guess for some people it may be too much but not for me <laughs> but no well, it was it, i mean it was awesome you know and i was because i was like yeah like you said 10 minutes i was like we're getting close to the end of this thing what's how are they going to end this yeah. and and then yeah that's i was like that's what sealed the deal when after the movie was over i was like so so good there are moments within that sequence that is sort of like 
you see sort of the evolution of going from, you know, I hate you, I'm getting back at you, to, well, hold on now, what's going on, to I've succeeded, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a moment after Caravan ends technically um, and Andrew keeps playing you know, his symbol falls and Fletcher immediately picks it up. Right. Mm -hmm. Or where, when he keeps playing and Fletcher goes, what are you doing, man? Like Fletcher doesn't talk like that. Right. Fletcher is now starting to, to see Andrew as, you know, a success story, a, a, um, I wouldn't say equal, but you know, we're getting close. And, Mm -hmm. and again, it's, when when they're both starting to you know cue each other on certain moments of the solo and certain you know tempo changes and melody changes and um especially when he starts doing the famous you know roll slow back to roll right Mm -hmm. um and then you get that weird shot of fletcher where it's the bridge of his nose up, right? Um, so it's hard mm-hmm. to tell what his expression is, right? Uh, which is completely mm-hmm. on purpose. And then you get that moment of Andrew taking that beat um, to pause, and then um, they almost see each other, I think, at that moment as equals. And that moment yeah. of shared success, of you were successful in pushing me and I was successful in proving that it takes everything and sacrifice everything to be able to reach this level of musicianship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the um, movie's over. <laughs> yeah. Which, which brings me to the thing that I was going to bring up. Go for it. Uh, where one of the first videos I saw is how the, the ending of the movie is not a happy ending. Technically, technically no. I would um, uh, because I even saw an interview with Damien Chazelle where he said I wanted to do the happiest sad ending I can do mm-hmm. because essentially, like what we've been talking about, uh, what Andrew just did is validated all of Fletcher's abuse right. that he was right that it takes me pushing you to the breaking point for something good to come out of it. And, you know, when I finishing the movie last night, I did, I, I, I was in the camp of, well, Andrew was successful. Yeah. He was victorious. He proved Fletcher wrong. And then when I started doing my research and watching these videos, I was like, Oh wait, he proved Fletcher. Right. Right. Um, I mean, he proved him wrong in the sense of, you don't think I can do this. I can do this, but he proved him right in the sense of all the abuse that you've done, the chairs you've thrown at me, the sacrifices I've had to make you, you were right. And it's, it's very interesting that that's the way that Damien Giselle wanted to end the film of, of this indirect um, point proven kind of thing. Mm. Um, where essentially Fletcher 
gets away scot free. I mean, besides losing his job, he, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't see any repercussions. Um, and what I wanted to save, uh, what I wanted to save for you, because you were saying how uh, you definitely can see Miles, ri- not Miles, uh, Andrew rising to Fletcher's level. Mm-hmm. Miles Teller <laughs> thinks that Andrew won't live past thirty. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true that also. That Miles Teller was even like, no, there's no Andrew will succumb to loneliness and he won't make it past 30. Yeah. And which is sad yeah. because again, happiest sad ending, we see Andrew in this moment be so triumphant and proving that he can be one of the greats. Mm-hmm. But knowing that his fate is pretty much sealed is is sad. Yeah, I, I think if you know this film were shot like Animal House, um, at the very end there would be text with a freeze frame of him <laughs> playing the drums, saying that you know of where he's at. Yeah, and saying that you know um, Andrew Neiman, um, which by the way Fletcher calls him Neiman. That's again, he's disrespecting him by not telling by not calling him by his real name um andrew Naiman, um you know after the jazz festival was picked up by this jazz label um played for a few years on these specific albums um succumbed to drug use um by the age of blah 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 um died of an overdose you know age 28 I, you know what i mean like that's i can see that going on you know because he'll have success after mm. this but how long will that last and then once it starts to dip, what's he going to do to try to combat that uh, that dip in success and that dip in um, in in his life goals? Right. I agree. Yeah, because that's that's not something that Fletcher really, I don't think, plans for. He plans to. I'm going to get you. Yeah. I'm going to turn you from a lump of coal into a diamond. But past that point, you know, it's because I don't think it's because it's not sustainable. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If it were sustainable, I mean, then everyone would do it probably or uh, maybe not everyone, but we would we would still have we wouldn't have like the 27 Club, for instance, if uh, Mm -hmm. if this type of of determination were sustainable. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, it's, but even though the movie does have a bit of a sad and, uh, you know, a sad ending, man, the fact that it ends kind of triumphantly also is something, mm-hmm. um, which is a good segue to what you wanted to talk about of Damien Chazelle's, Damien Chazelle's use of camera. Yeah. You know, so what I thought was fascinating was, you know, Chazelle, he's, it's sort of like, you know, how do you make someone, you know, a a jazz ensemble, how do you make that dynamic and interesting to watch? Right. Mm -hmm. And the way Chazelle would tell you is that you shoot it like a fight scene. So you shoot... Mm -hmm. 
lots and lots of cuts, you know, very fast, very quick, very, um, I don't know, like lots of succession, right? So it's like in quick succession. Mm-hmm. So that's why like, like the camera's here, then it's here, then it whip pans to here. And then, you know, now we're going to look at the horns and now we're going over here. And now we're, you know what I mean? Um, we're seeing pretty much every piece of that drum kit, right? And from all different mm-hmm. angles. And since the music is so fast paced, um, so will the cuts and the camera movements be equally as fast paced, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. And it is really entertaining to watch. Uh, there's a little bit of this in the film that he wrote before this called Grand Piano. It's with Elijah Wood and John Cusack. It's a little silly. Um, the idea of it is a little silly, but it's fun, right? Uh, okay. But there's a little bit of of these ideas that you can see that be, that will turn into perfection in Whiplash. And then later in La La Land. Wait, he did La La Land? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Did he direct it or did he, did he write it? Yes. Both. He did both? Yeah. So you mean to tell me he's responsible for white splaining jazz to everyone? Yes. Yes, he is. That's look, okay. <laughs> that's not gonna that's not gonna ruin this movie for me. No but shit. I am uh but I am slightly disappointed. <laughs> well, I, with the help of Mr. Ken Burns, just white splained a little bit of jazz to you not ten minutes ago. <laughs> so let's not go crazy. All right. Uh, it, um, one of my favorite jokes about La La Land was in Big Mouth when Andrew, uh, is talking about jazz and Duke Ellington voiced by Jordan Peele goes, are you La La Landing me? Yeah. And he's like, now that was a perfect movie. Who, what is, what is even Moonlight? (laughs) Um, so (laughs) hilarious. Um, yes, Damien Chazelle. Uh, wrote and directed La La Land. Also, First Man, which I loved. Um, oh, okay. So he's worked with Gosling a lot. And um, and most recently, he did uh, Babylon. So. Um, oh, okay. All right. He's redeemed now. Babylon. First off, La La Land is a good movie. All right. I, I really like <laughs> La La Land. I refuse. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I refuse to watch that movie. That's fine. First Man is also incredible. And then uh, Babylon is just a, a tour de force of... Um, of style and um, I don't know what you would say, like um, excess, um, mm-hmm. which is also a really, really good movie. Um, so what I love about um, what I love about Andrew choosing Caravan Right, because he chooses Caravan, not Fletcher, right, to play at the very end, mm-hmm. because that's what he was playing. First off, for the drum off, that was the the song they were practicing for in the first place. But then also when he got kicked out of Schaefer, that was the song they were playing. Right, that was Caravan, mm-hmm. um, and so I thought that was significant that that's the song he chose to. Um, to throw Fletcher off his game, get back at him and then show him and prove him right. Um, at the end, I, I liked that choice, uh, that it wasn't the title track whiplash. It was, I don't care. 
Yeah, which uh, which I love that he do, he he cuts him off. Like, no, fuck you. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, of course, you know, because it was supposed to be a slow um, tune anyway. And no. yeah, uh, yeah, man, it it's phenomenal. Like, it truly is. The movie is 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 phenomenal. Yes, uh, it does have a bummer ending. Well, not really a bummer. It's just a somber. It's ending. It's sort of a, a hidden bummer ending, right? It's it's a hidden sad. Yeah film that on the surface doesn't seem very sad until you start to think about it, which I like, which is what good films should do. Good films should stick with you for a while and have you think and, and, and mull over and ponder and uh, try to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It, Cause again, the, all the acting was phenomenal. I mean, again, JK Simmons, amazing. He got an Oscar for this movie, he did. didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, JK is phenomenal. I, I think he's become so much more than just a character actor. You know, definitely I, I would say in his career, he started off as a character actor, but I think he has proven that he's so much more than that. Oh, like I mean, um, far above and beyond proven. I mean, oh, yeah. even, yeah. even in Oz, he stole that whole show, you know, and Oz yeah. is the, is the definition of ensemble cast. Not everyone is in every episode, but they're in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, God, that's a great show. Watch Oz. <laughs> Where can I watch Oz? Uh, HBO. It was HBO's. Okay. Oh, you mean Max? Uh, it was HBO's first one hour drama. Until that became the standard. Yes. No. Um, Anyway, uh, but, you know, even, you know, obviously Miles, you know, Miles Teller, uh, I think this movie really elevated him from the raunchy college comedies to where he could do movies like, you know, like shit, uh, the Top Gun. Spectacular now I heard was really good, although I didn't see it. I've I've got it on the shelf. Oh, nice. Um, uh, was, which I haven't seen. Heard was good. No clue. You know, <laughs> I, <haven't laughs> uh, I only got it because a 24 distributed it. So that's the only reason why I got it. Um, nice. But you know, because the first movie I ever saw him in was a movie called 21 and over, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a dumb college movie about these friends taking their friend who just turned 21 out drinking for the first time. Mm-hmm. And essentially the hangover but in college. Interesting. Um, and it's fine. It's, it's a good dumb comedy and miles is funny, but I just feel like this movie really let him showcase a side. I don't think anyone had seen yet. Mm -hmm. And which has since I think catapulted his career. Um, so yeah, man, the movie, the movie's fantastic. It wasn't as anxiety inducing as I thought it would be like, uncut gems yeah, or yeah, good time yeah, was yeah, yeah. um but still it, it's still phenomenal uh and uh with that we've i mean we are even kind of doing it but jeremy are you ready to wrap up wrap up wrap up i am um unfortunately it was overshadowed by some really great films that year i think birdman also came out that year uh which ended up winning best picture uh, yes uh boyhood yes because came um, out that year um oh shit so, really yeah it's you know it it was in good company um 
I bet you I don't remember what I wanted to win that year for best pick. That was when I was still watching the Oscars. Um, <laughs> when I still gave a shit uh, about the Oscars, um, I wasn't expecting Birdman to win, but I think I wanted Boyhood, of course, because I am such a huge Linklater fan and Ethan Hawke. Of course, the idea was so ingenious, and the amount of time and effort, right? So I really respected that. And um, but I think if Boyhood weren't there, I would have said Whiplash all the way. Because Whiplash was the one I think affected me the most emotionally afterward. Because I was mm-hmm. just dude pumped after that movie. After I was done with the movie, I was <laughs> pumped, bro. I couldn't believe how awesome that was. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess a little oops, I forgot. Because sure. um, this is it leads into yours. Uh, you know, Damien Chazelle couldn't get the funding, which I'm sure you know. He couldn't get the funding for the movie, so he made the short film yeah. and showcased it, and that's what got him the funding. Yeah. Uh, which is is insane because insane in a good way because it shows that that people were like, okay, you got something here. Here's our money. Give us the full product. If you watch the short film, you're probably going to be a little disappointed um, because it it doesn't have the same feel, especially in the way in just the setting alone, it's in a very bright, you know, windowed Mm -hmm. classroom, you know? Um, And so it feels like something that would be in your high school or in your college. um, Yeah. Which is off putting when you know what the final product looks like. It doesn't seem to fit because the, the very dark dim foreboding uh, practice room is perfect, you know, yeah. uh, for Fletcher and his 100%. torment. But this brightly lit classroom isn't really a good fit. Uh, it's still it's still fantastic. It's still awesome. But um, just be warned. Yeah, yeah. But well, Jeremy, with that, uh, are you ready to hear what we're going to talk about next week? Yeah, because I uh, I just decided what we're going to do. Okay, am I going to be? Am um, I going to be? Jazzed? Nailed it. But anyway, no. I, I can't gonna, think of a good... Am I going to be stoked? I can't think of a good one. Yes, 100%. All right. Cool. And um, <laughs> this one, I think, is going to take us some time. <laughs> and you'll know. I mean, as soon as I say it, you'll understand. All right. Um, so... Jeremy, you know we haven't talked about in in uh, in quite a while. Who since a season six, I believe. Can't remember. Um, you know we haven't talked about David Lynch in a while. Cool. Next week, we are doing David Lynch's nineteen ninety two film, Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. Okay. It is officially time now some of our listeners zach uh if they know um the movie is technically a prequel to the show but the movie the reason why i want to do the movie is because the movie does such a good job of also standing on its own so you don't really need to have seen the show to know the movie of course obviously lynch made it for the people who have have seen the show. Yeah. 
But the movie, like I remember when I, I really got into Twin Peaks and I finally saw the movie. I was like, this is on another level. And honestly, truth be told, even though we've done early Lynch and we've done later Lynch, I feel like this is peak Lynch. Wow. Wow. Unless unless you think I'm wrong. Um, I think uh, peak Lynch is Twin Peaks The Return. I think that's okay. I think that's pure David. That is his magnum opus. That is his masterpiece. That to me is what makes David Lynch. David Lynch is Twin Peaks: The Return. But I mean, I don't disagree. You know, he. You know, this world of Twin Peaks is so Lynch and and Mark Ross. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. You you were correct. Yeah. It is quite an undertaking, and that's fine. Well, I told uh, when I told um, my assistant manager, Quentin, who's also a huge Twin Peaks fan, uh, he has the um, he has the the evil symbol, you know, the dot with the yep. uh, tattooed on his wrist right here. Um, he when I told him, I was like, yeah, this is on my list. He was like, oh, so it'll just be a Twin Peaks episode then. I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah, I guess. Um, but, you know, man, the. But like I said, it is going to be an undertaking because there's a lot in the film that, again, if you've seen the show, you'll understand. But the film is just it's it's this it's this weird thing. That's all I can really think of to say. I mean, this will this may Um, get people excited by using um, keywords, using catchphrases like guys. Fire walk with me has a lot of lore. (laughs) So. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you reading the diary I mean, of of, I, of, uh, of Laura Palmer over here, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I wouldn't have gotten this tattoo if I didn't love the world of Twin Peaks. So, of course, if you're watching, you would just see me hold up my arm. Um, but I think that's enough tease for next yeah, week. Man. So yeah, right. next week, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Cool. Um, yeah. So everyone, um. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, We hope you enjoyed Whiplash, and we will see you next week.